You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Thursday, September 28th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn. And you can tell by the audio quality, I drove the wrong car again. I was tasked this morning driving my two-year-old. I keep calling her a baby, but she's not a baby. She's my baby, the babiest of all my children. I was tasked this morning with uh, driving my two-year-old to daycare or preschool or whatever. It's really pre- what I don't even know what to call it. To the church that has a pre-k program whatever you want to call it and uh, I had to drive my minivan to do that because I don't have a car seat and the Kia Soul and the good microphone the good headset is in the Kia Soul which is the same sort of sad sob story I had last time this happened and no I have not uploaded uh, the Tuesday show yet so hopefully you'll get a nice dump this weekend of shows three shows but that's what's, uh, that's what's going on with the audio quality and the uploads. I really need to take a car seat out of my pickup truck, my wife's pickup truck, as she will remind me, uh, and put it into the Kia. We'll see. There's a lot of things I need to do that I'm not going to do. You know what is not a fun sight to watch or an efficient sight to watch is me trying to install a car seat. You know, like you had you had Sisyphus and Tantalus in, in Greek mythology when they went to Hades and were punished by doing various horrible labors. If, if it was me, if I was a character in Greek mythology and I was wicked, I would be sent to Hades forced to try and install a car seat forever because it's impossible and I can't do it. I do not have a full show for you today. The inbox is bone dry. I have nothing. What kind of song about nothing am I going to sing today? Sing Nothing Man by Pearl Jam. I could sing I could I have nothing if I don't have you by Whitney Houston. I don't know if I can hit the net. Some people want diamond rings, some just want everything, but everything means nothing without a question in the inbox, baby. Little Alicia Keys for you. Everything means nothing without you. No question in the inbox. And maybe we'll do, uh, I will threaten you with either me singing Whitney Houston or Pearl Jam next time if nobody sends in a question to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com or dial 470 The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance.
okay, okay, okay. Today's show title is Elders and Information Curation. Elders and Information Curation. I don't, I don't like rhyming. I don't like rhyming show titles. So I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a different one. But it's about how generally, when it, ta- when, you, when it comes down to denominational news, or missions news, or parachurch news, elders are low information people, and we're going to talk about, or I think they are, and we're going to talk about why, and how that might change, and how to get them that information. But first, as always, we're going to do the Bible chapter review. We're in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 18. We're still going through parables about the end, about the return of Jesus. We finished last time the parable of the ten virgins. Now we're going to talk about the parable of the talents, or the slaves who got talents. And we're going to get about halfway through. So starting in verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and trusted and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. For those of you who've never read the Bible before, a talent is a unit of money, like dollars, okay? Or or dollars or cents. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Okay, so what's going on here in this story? There is a man who has a household probably a wealthy man because he has slaves and stuff for them to manage. I don't think there's ever been a poor person who owns a slave. You have to be rich enough to buy the slave and then you have to have something for the slave to do. So if you don't have any property, you really don't need a slave. Your slave would just sit around with you and starve, I suppose. So here is this wealthy man, this master of slaves, and he's going to go on a journey And he calls his slaves together and he says, all right, I'm going to be gone. You guys are in charge of the household. He's entrusted his possessions to them. So not just the eight talents we have in the story. And I I did not look up how much money that was. It's really irrelevant. Like in today's dollar, is it $50,000? Is it $100,000? Who cares? It's money. So these slaves are going to be managing the guy's household. There's enterprise. He's got stuff. He probably has livestock. There's probably other slaves to manage. He's entrusted these slaves with his affairs while he is away on his journey. And remember, back in this time, there is no telecommuting. There is no Zoom call. There's no VPN. Like, I'm going to Jekyll Island next week in St. Augustine. I'm going to be gone for three days. Four four days. But I'm only taking one day off. Why? Because I'm taking a half day off Friday. I'm going to work from home. And then Monday, I'm going to work from St. Simons. I'm going to log on to my computer Monday, click, 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 refresh some reports. I'm done. 
after a couple hours, four hours, and then I'm going to hit the pool and hit the beach. Okay? I can work. I can do my job from anywhere. I can manage my stuff from anywhere. I pull up my phone. I got the Wells Fargo app. It reads my fingerprint, and it tells me how much money I have. I can do this with all my assets. If I've got a phone or a computer anywhere in the world, I can manage my stuff. I even have blink cameras at my house pointing at every door. Some of them are inside. I can talk to my dog from wherever I am. Back in that day, if you went away on a journey, you're just gone. You're just gone. They didn't even really have that reliable of a postal service. So you had to entrust wholly your possessions to the members of your household, whether it be your kids or, in this case, some slaves. And this master has a good idea of how competent his slaves are. That's why he gives five talents to one, three tal or two talents to the other, and one talent to the third. And you guys do this all the time, especially if you have older kids. You leave and you say, all right, kids, I'm gone. You, oldest daughter, are in charge of looking after the little kids, and you, oldest son, uh, go out and make sure the dogs are fed and mow the yard. I'll be gone. Here's the stuff for you to do. And you entrust them with the harder or more important jobs according to their level of competence. I don't have slaves. I have kids. But I imagine if, I, if it was back in the day when people had slaves, you'd do the same thing too. Like Uncle Tom's cabin. You're going to live. You're going to leave. Uncle Tom in charge because he is confident and smart, competent and smart and wise, you know, not some random field hand, right? So this is what the master of the house did. Five talents to one, three or two talents to the second, and finally one talent to the third. Now what's the first guy do? They had no idea how long his master's going to be gone. I mean, he's, he's told, I'm going on a journey. He goes, all right, I am entrusted with this five talents. I'm going to put my master's work or money to work for him. So he goes out and he invests the money. The parable does not tell us how. You know, he buys ten pigs and, and then sells the pigs. He, oh, that's, this, that's it. No, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen because this is a Jewish parable. They didn't buy pigs. How about this? He buys goats. So he buys goats. And then he makes goat milk and goat cheese and sells that and then kills the goats and sells goat meat and doubles his money. Something like that. Very similar thing for the guy with two talents. He goes out and buy, buys a sheep. He, he shears the sheep and sells the, the wool for money. And then he sells somebody the sheep. He doubles his money. Now what's the guy with one talent do? Does he put his money, his master's money to work. And listen, does he put it at risk? He doesn't put it because you, you got to spend money to make money. There's always risk involved in investing. He doesn't engage in any high risk opportunities with the money. He doesn't even engage in a low risk opportunity, which is just to go put it in the bank. They had, they had banks back then. They didn't have big vaults with the sign that says Bank of America on the front, but they had people that you could put things on deposit to get interest. They had loans. What does this guy do? 
he digs a hole, puts the money in the ground, and hides it. So he is just protecting it. He's making sure nothing happens to it. And really, he's making sure he doesn't have to do anything with it. Because if you're out investing money in some enterprise, you're going to have to manage, manage it. Even if you put it in the bank, you have to go check on the bank. So the guy with five takes initiative and does something useful. The guy with two takes initiative and does something useful. The guy with one does as little as possible to, to basically ensure that he has that one talent to give back when his master returns. I would say this guy does as little work as possible. I guess as little work as possible would be to sit it, put it underneath his mattress. I don't think they had mattresses back then. To put it in his bedroom and just leave it there. And then his here it is. No, but he's like, I'll hide it. I'll dig a hole. Doesn't really do anything with the wealth and responsibility that has been entrusted to him by his master. And tomorrow, Lord willing, on the Christian commute, we are going to find out the other half of the parable, the application of the parable, and what happens to these slaves who have been entrusted with their master's wealth, household, and responsibility. And with that, we will end the Bible chapter we will not go to the inbox because I already said we don't have a question. Now we're going to talk about how to inform your elders. On the last episode, I talked about pulpit and pen and a couple of stories I have going on there. And since I'm not going to upload this until the conference is over, it'll be too late for them to find out. There is an operative of Protestia, our sister website that also does discernment, at Andy Stanley's Gay Teenager Conference right now, right this very moment, listening to the heresy and apostasy being spewed there. And of course, Jeff Maples at the dissenter continues his work. But all of those are polemics blogs or discernment blogs. There is news out there on the website about all the bad popular preachers, preachers in the world from Stephen Furtick to Tony Evans, from Hillsong to Bethel. You name it. We've got it. And it could even be people like David Platt. David Platt's new co-lead pastor is apparently woke. But how would you know? How would you know if it wasn't for, <coughs> excuse me, woke preacher clips? Or John Harris, for that matter. In conversations that matter. How would you know? How would you know about Greg Locke if it wasn't for Justin Peters? You wouldn't. And where do you find all this information? It is not in the Christian Index. Georgia Baptist newspaper, certainly not in Baptist press, and it ain't on Fox News. You 
have to find it in social media. You have to have either one of these uh, webs, one of these email things that sends you email blasts of, of, of news. You have to find it on Facebook. You have to find it on Twitter, or X as they call it. And what's the deal? Is it still a tweet? Or is it, is, is it a... What, what is a tweet now? You tweet on Twitter. You X on X? I don't know. You gotta find it in your RSS feed, in a podcast. Okay? People my age, especially people younger than me, get their news through social media. But we don't watch TV. I, I have TV service at my house. I have, I have Xfinity or Comcast. And I only have it so I can have internet. I have the bare minimum of channels that comes with ordering the internet. I think I have Fox News and CNN. I'm really not sure. I have a cable box, and I don't know where it is. Gathering dust in a corner somewhere. Because I get my news off the internet. I watch the Braves on my phone. I watch Alabama on my ESPN app. And if I want to get world news, I go to G I go to Google News. And if I want to get news about evangelicalism, I have my people on Twitter that I follow. Like woke people, woke preacher clips or smash bales or Josh Bice are protesting. There's a Christian Commute Twitter account now, by the way. You should follow it. It's a, I used to have a different one, and then I lost the email that went with it, so now I opened up another one. If you don't know the Christian Commute Twitter account, just tag me at Dunn, which is my personal Twitter account, and then I'll point you at the Christian Commute Twitter account. You can find it. Anyway, that's where me and people like me are out there getting my news. And I'm... Uh, I guess even the younger people are watching TikTok. I don't, I think that's just people dancing. But if you think of who elders are right now, but 20 years from now, 10 years from now, people my age will be the elders. I'm talking about the lay elders, not the professional vocational pastor at your church. I'm talking about the lay elders who are not necessarily denominational co company men. Where do they get their information? Where do they get their Christian news? Because these are guys who are like, well, you know, I don't want to sit around and argue on social media. If they're doing anything on social media, they're posting pictures of their grandkids, which is a really good function of social media. But these are people who tend, just as their that generational culture, how they came up, to avoid any public discourse, discourse, whether it be debate or agreement, on religious issues, or especially church issues. They're not going to talk about that on social media. They would consider that poor decorum. They're on there, at best, post posting grandkid pictures. And I think this, I think women tend, older women tend to use social media more. You'll find that on your own, right? You get on your Facebook, and you see your mom is posting, your aunt is posting, if your grandma's still alive, she might be posting. When does your dad ever post? My dad never on Facebook. If I put a picture of one of my kids, a, a cute picture of one of my kids up, and about before the day is over, my mom's liked it and then shared it. 
I said my soccer team won, my basketball team won, my mom is hitting the like button. My dad's not on there. 50, 60, 70 year old men, they're not doing important stuff on social media. So all the information like you would get from pulpit and pen and protesting in the center, what your church needs to know about Tony Evans and his new Bible study and his podcast that is being foisted upon some Wednesday night study group somewhere. The elder who is tasked with shepherding your church doesn't even know. Because he's not on social media. Where does he get his information? Probably from the State Baptist Convention. Does he know anything negative about Nam? No. His church? Or your church? gets the the Annie Armstrong video at Easter time and they play it and he thinks everything is fine. He only gets the good news. He only gets the sunshine bumping that's given to him by the state and national Baptist convention through the state paper, through Baptist press, and through the vocational denominational pastor that the church has hired. That's how these 40 and 50 year old guys, 60 and 70 year old guys, because I guess I'm 40, so let's move it to 50, 60 and 70 year old guys. That's how these old guys who are running your church get their information. Now, who should be running your church? The answer is the old people, okay? Elders should be old. Who's ever heard of a 25 year old elder? You're not elder. If you're, if you're 25, I really don't care what you have to say. Seth, don't despise their youth. Just talking generally. They don't know. They need more life experience. So listen, guys. If, if the people running your church are 50, 60, 70 years old, that's good. Because you want your elders to be elderly. Okay? The old people are the ones have, who have the wisdom, life experience, and years of study. You think of the women in Titus 2. The older women are supposed to tell the younger women what to do. Okay? If you want to know what to do, ask an older person. Okay? That's good. But the problem is those older people demographically have shielded themselves away from the very best resource for information that is social media. So what you need to do is get the emails of the elders at your church and get them on the Protestia email blast. Get them Twitter and say, hey, Elon Musk is the most successful businessman out there today. Look what he's doing with creating value with Tesla. I mean, he's launching spaceships. This is a futuristic guy, and he thought it was important enough to just buy Twitter. And even a guy who works as much as Elon Musk is spending 10 minutes on Twitter during the day. Okay. Old guys, I guess they wake up, they, they read their newspaper. All these guys have a routine. You just got to get it in your routine. You say, listen, you don't want to be on screen time all the time. You don't even have to say anything, but just get a Twitter account and let me give you some suggestions of who to follow. 
Give me your email and let me get you the Protestia news link. Follow me on Facebook because I talk about stuff like this. Okay? You got to start getting them aware of the conversations in social media. Let me just give you a hypothetical situation. Your church starts a Wednesday night Bible study of Priscilla Shira. So I go to First Baptist Church, on, but, on, but I don't go on Wednesdays currently, even though I like to go to Wednesday church at First Baptist and have the food and be there with everybody. But I've got my soccer practice on Wednesday. But First Baptist has, on any given Wednesday, they ha you could call it a semester, they'll have eight Bible studies or eight groups, eight little classes to take for adults and then stuff for the children to do after the Wednesday night fellowship meal. Now that's a bigger church. A smaller church might have only one or two activities. They might, they might all study the Bible together on Wednesday night because it's a smaller church. But that, that's sort of typical of Wednesday night Bible activity. So let's just imagine a church out there and it's got six offerings. And they've got some lay people teaching it, teaching these offerings. Because there's only so many staff people in the world. Vocational pastors. And one of them is a Priscilla Shirer Bible study. And just some lady has just picked it. But she likes Priscilla Shire, Shire. She saw it in Lifeway. And the elders, what have they done? Well, they've sent out a flyer to everybody that says, people do flyers anymore, that, hey, this is our Bible study offering. And they didn't look up Priscilla Shire. Like, oh, well, they sell it at the Christian bookstore. It must be okay. And there is a wealth of information on Priscilla Shire from podcasts like Pirate Christian Radio, which is also on YouTube. There's articles about this woman. She preaches to men. Her dad is Tony Evans. She Not only does she preaches to men, she goes to places like Gateway. She's into the co contemplative prayer. She's acting like she's hearing from God. This is not a good source for the women in your church or anybody for that matter. But your elders have no idea. They don't know. So think about... The, is it the New York Times that says all the news that's fit to print and for years is sort of the standard of journalism, good or bad, liberal or conservative, like if something's in the New York Times, it's important we should consider it. So your elders think like, well I'm going to get, I'm not going to watch MSNBC, but I'll watch it off Fox News. I'm not going to watch CNN, the, the Clinton News Network. Or maybe they like OAN. They have their trusted source, but you know what? Pulpit and Pen, Protestia, Dissenter, it's not one of them because they don't even know they exist. Like the people who listen to this show, they read Protestia every day. They'd read Pulpit and Pen every day if it was published every day. The people who listen to this show, they hear of Jenny Allen and like, oh, Seth forgot who Jenny Allen was. They type in Michelle Leslie, Jenny Allen, because they know Michelle Leslie will know and will give a good uh, assessment. 
They know who Amy Spreeman is. They know who Chris Roseborough is. They know who Steve Kozar is. They know Jordan Hall, D Justin Germain. They know uh, David Morrill, Jeff Maples. They know who these people are. They know who Justin Peters is. But your elders, that 60 year old guy, he has no idea. And when it comes to discernment blogs, he's a low information guy. I'm gonna tell you this, the people out there with the highest degree of responsibility, which is the 60 year old dude in your church, they're the lowest information people when it comes to discernment resources because they just demographically don't appreciate or participate in social media and email blasts, by and large. And listen, they're the guys wise enough to know that they don't need to spend all their time in social media. So last weekend, I went to Birmingham, as you guys know, and I went and stayed in some old house. I said I stayed in Airbnb, but it was a house that was built, I'm about to sneeze, I think in the 40s or 50s. It was a really old house. You know, kitchen with no dishwasher. So if you went into this house, the kitchen was tiny, there was no dishwasher, the, 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 the laundry machines, the washing machine and dryer were in the kitchen because when this house was built, it was not intended, they didn't have, everybody didn't have washers and dryers. It was from a time when they built houses and didn't have a laundry room or a laundry closet. That's how old this house was. It was heated, I didn't turn the heat on because it was hot, by the, the electric coil things in the, in the, in the rooms. Each room had a, like a heater on the wall, an electric heater that you turn on. It did not have central air conditioning. It had a window unit, 900 square foot house. It was just an old house from back in the day. And the idea of this house is, is like kind of a throwback. It was full of books and board games and card games. And yes, it had a TV and Wi-Fi, but you know what I did? I didn't turn that stuff on. My son and I sat there and played cards. I read a book on the porch. I was like, this is how living used to be when families would just sit around and they wouldn't be on their phone. Everybody's sitting staring at their phone. We sat down and ate, I made dinner. We sat down and ate breakfast, like bacon and eggs together and sat and looked at each other and talked. That, that's how family life used to be. And everybody is not on their own device. Let me tell you something. Everybody on their device disgusts the 60-year-old guy who's an elder at your church. When your family gets together at Christmas and all the grandkids are sitting there on their iPhones, it disgusts that guy. Because he remembers a time when everybody was playing with their Christmas presents, catching up or playing board games. But here's the thing, guys. Remember when you actually had to catch up with your cousins at Christmas or Thanksgiving? You don't have to catch up with people now. Seth, how's your soccer season going? They know because we, we won today. We tied today. Here's a picture of this. Here's a video of the game for my AI camera. Here's what I think about everything. Every day, I post what I think. And the people who care about me so it's just a different economy of how information is shared and how connections are made.
But you've got to turn those elders who are tasked with shepherding the, sh the sheep, who should be protecting the church from Hillsong, from Priscilla Shira, you name it. But they've got to be informed. I'm thankful that there's documentaries about Hillsong now on Amazon Prime or on Discovery Plus, but hey, that old guy doesn't know what Discovery Plus is. You've got to tell him about it. So you got to get these guys plugged in and not overwhelmed. Because listen, a lot of them have the discernment. A lot of them have the concern. But they just don't have the information. So maybe I'll call this, this show Informing Elders in the Digital Age. Or Informing Old Elders in the Digital Age. And, and, and I, you know what? This might be a problem that goes away. Because 20 years from now, people my age will be the elders. And they'll know all the stuff on the internet. For all I know, they'll have hologram news on their, their Apple Watch. Who knows? Is it like that at your church? Do you have elders at your church like that? How old are the elders at your church? Maybe they're 40 and they, they know more than you do. They pay attention. And listen, you have to convince them that this is part of their responsibility. And you really need to convince them that they can't trust the Christian bookstore and the Christian newspaper and the Annie Armstrong video. And if you have a pastor that you got from the denomination, and what do I mean by that? Just some guy that you hired who went to seminary at one of the... I'm Southern Baptist, so I'm going to talk about Southern Baptist stuff. You, did you just get some guy from another Southern Baptist church and from a Southern Baptist seminary? Because if you did, that guy is invested in the Southern Baptist brands. He's not going to tell you the Southern Baptist problems. He knows them, but he's not going to advance in his career by telling your church about it. Because when things go sideways at your church or when he needs to step up and get a bigger job, he needs those Southern Baptist connections to get it. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that it's bad to get people from those organizations or, or from those seminaries. I went to one, and I got a really good education in preaching. I did. I know firsthand. I have one. But I'm also independent enough where I don't depend on that for my vocation. Those guys do. Those are, guys aren't going to shake it up. They're just not. And quite frankly, I think there's a lot of elders out there who don't want to shake it up. And maybe a lot, in a lot of cases, you don't need to shake anything up. But sometimes something needs to be shook up. If you got Priscilla Shire on Wednesday night, or Tony Evans on Wednesday night, you got to shake something up. If you sing an elevation at your church, you got to shake something up. If you got people, listen, if you have people in your church and they listen to Joyce Meyer on their way to work, you need to shake something up. Well, what do they say in the army? The unit is only as strong as its weakest member. 
What's it say about your church and the strength of your church as a unit if you have members who listen to Joyce Meyer? These people vote. These people influence the church. They, they either influence the church by showing up at the business meeting and literally talking and voting, or they, at least they influence it with their dollars by their giving and participation. Guys, you are in the Baptist world, right? Does your Sunday school teacher ever ask, what do you guys think? And then somebody says, I think this. Well, they just influenced your class. They just influenced your church. And if you're like me, you've been in church for 41 years since I was a baby, I've heard some pretty dumb comments in Sunday school class before. I've heard great comments in Sunday school class before. I've heard some stuff from people like, oh, well, they really knew the background on this. But I've heard some dumb stuff. Dumb stuff. So everybody's out there influencing things. Get those elders informed now in the best way you know how. You know what? You know what's a piece of bad news? You know what's also in the key of soul? My bug spray. Because the soccer field's full of mosquitoes. We have new grass. But that's not a problem for you. It's a problem for me. Why am I talking about this? Because I'm done. I'm done. I have nothing more to say on the Christian commute other than send me your questions to sethdunn88 at gmail.com. Dial 470-315-0875. Give me a question that way. Remember... Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. And, as always, God bless. Thanks for listening. And now, I'm having trouble stopping the show. This is dead time. And now it's over. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.